All right, let's get weird. It's time for an NBA offseason podcast, a jazz offseason podcast. This is the brothers Clayton. I'm Dan. That's Ken over there. And uh, we're, we, our plan here tonight was to come to you with this Salt City Hoops podcast and talk about sort of the jazz angle on all the rumors of the day. But who knows if the rumors of the day at this hour are even still, uh, I don't know, in force, in effect. Um, obviously, news has been breaking throughout the NBA day and into the evening hours. And uh, a lot's different, starting with the uh, starting with the Cleveland Cavaliers, who uh, a few hours ago we thought might be interested in some of the same players we're going to talk about in this podcast. And now, who the hell knows what they're interested in? But before we get to that, uh, Ken, want to welcome you in. How's it going in sunny Phoenix? Hey, sunny is an understatement. I think we were... 115, 116, 117 today, 118 tomorrow. They did come down off the prediction of 120 degrees tomorrow. So it's kind of like a cold front moving in. We're only going to be 118. Yeah. Well, grab a jacket or something. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, this is uh this is getting crazy. I, um, you know, we were going to talk about. The Paul George rumors, obviously Cleveland was a big part of the Paul George rumors, and then we were going to talk about the Jimmy Butler rumors, and Cleveland was a big part of those, and we were going to see if we could figure out a way for the Jazz to get in on any of those, really, and 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 figure out kind of where the Jazz fit into um, this week's craziness, and really the post-Boston-Philly swap madness. I feel like that's kind of where the, uh, the trade season, the draft trade season heated up. Um, and uh, and then Cleveland goes and does a crazy thing. They they fire their well their GM steps down. It seems like their GM and their owner weren't seeing eye to eye, and so now we don't know if the if the Cavaliers are. We know that as late as six p.m. Eastern time, David Griffin was working the phones trying to make a deal happen. Maybe the deal for Paul George. Maybe the deal for Jimmy Butler. We don't know. But what we know now is that he's certainly not making those deals. And I I guess that changes a lot at the NBA level and it certainly puts some of these discussions about um, Paul George and Jimmy Butler in a weird place yeah I mean it's uh, it remind I hadn't thought of it this way but it reminds me now of uh, something that Darth Vader might do he knocks off the, his top you know whoever the top general or admiral is and then turns to the next guy and says you're in charge now well that next guy's gonna sure want to do whatever the boss says <laughs> otherwise he's going to be the next guy with his head rolling. So you would have to think that, I guess I, and I forgot to look up his name again, the assistant GM who is yeah, now yeah. running the draft and running <clears throat> player personnel decisions for the Cavs for the moment. Um, he's got to be, uh, you know, uh, you know, yes, Mr. Gilbert, whatever you like, <laughs> Mr. Gilbert, <laughs> can I get you some coffee, pick up your dry cleaning, shine your shoes, uh, you know, he's he's got to be doing about what what uh, Gilbert wants at this stage. And we, you know, maybe in the next few days, we'll see what that is, whether that means moves are actually happening or we just hear about them through leaks. Yeah, I think the guy whose name you're looking for, the guy who's currently running the Cavaliers, his name is LeBron something or other. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Well, you would think that, but apparently LeBron had no forewarning of David Griffin being gone. And, and I'm sure you've seen his tweet that he sent out an hour or two ago. Oh, that wasn't exactly, uh, uh, it, it seemed like it was, uh, 
I don't know what the right, a little bitter. Let's use the word bitter. Well, so assistant GM Kobe Altman is the guy that is reportedly fielding. He's he's manning the phone tonight. But no, illuminate me because I had seen, um, you know, sources indicating that LeBron was concerned and that he was disappointed. Um, but what was the tweet? The tweet is LeBron James verified King at King James tweet account. If no one appreciated you, Griff, I did. And hopefully all the people of Cleveland, thanks for what you did for the team for three years. We got us one championship uh, emoji or icon or whatever. Huh? I mean, so, so that's, that's not the same as putting Dan Gilbert on blast, but it's certainly, that's true. It's, it's, it's definitely, I don't know. It's a weird one. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, here's what, here's my guess. I'm just seeing a lot of speculation that there was, that there were moves in mind to your Darth Vader analogy. There were moves in mind that Dan Gilbert wanted to make in reaction to the, um, to, finals to the finals loss to the Warriors, you know, owning basketball for a while. And, um, and David Griffin basically didn't want to do them. And again, this is all, this is speculation and this is, you know, conjecture and whatever. Um, and, and maybe the reason he was on phone on the phone till 6 PM was trying to find a deal that would placate Dan Gilbert. And, and so he wouldn't be forced to put his name on a deal that, that didn't make sense in his book and, and didn't find it. And, and now Dan Gilbert is reportedly on the verge of hiring Chauncey Billups, who interestingly enough, if you just go out and search Chauncey Billups mellow. If you want to have a fun evening, Chauncey Billups is, shall we say, on the record vociferously as saying that the Cavs um, should have taken the rumored. There's a rumor from back in January. I think Mark Stein and Chris Haynes of ESPN. Well, back then they were of ESPN. uh, Those guys broke a story in January saying that the Knicks offered a deal of mellow for love and the Cavs said no. And Chauncey Billups has been saying for months that they should have taken that deal and that they should still take that deal. And so if it's something that the Knicks were willing to do back in January, and it's something that the now possible GM in waiting of the Cavaliers wanted to do in January and still wants to do, I think we, we could shortly be coming up on a Carmelo Anthony era with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. No, I, it's something like that. Even before you mentioned to me the the precise details of the maybe it was a Carmelo thing, or at least it was several months ago, and and the Billups is on board with that. Um, it it certainly sounded like the, the directions they both wanted to go. Well, and I think I read a tweet earlier too that was just saying, um, and this was from somebody in the media who's who's close to the league or one of the teams uh, or, or the Cavaliers, I should say. They were saying it. Gilbert is maybe looking a couple of steps ahead. What if LeBron leaves again next summer? He obviously that's going to hurt either way, but let's not have a complete, you know, dumpster fire out of it. And I think Griffin was in the was more in the hey, how can we make this team put him over the put them over the top, get them to where they could beat the Warriors next year? You know, we'll see. But it's it was certainly a shock on a Monday night to see that when what we'd spent most of the day talking about was who's going to get Paul George, who's who even wants Paul George as a rental because he's pretty well said. I'm I'm you can have me for a year. 
but after that don't don't get attached yeah well let's let's go there because as as fun as this Cavs thing is to watch and and we'll see what gm chauncey billups if that's the direction they go we'll we'll see what gm chauncey billups has up his sleeve but let's talk about paul george because i think that was going to be our our key to unlock the jazz discussion today um obviously this is all happening because over the weekend it was reported that paul george has made his intentions known he does not plan to stay in indiana past his current contract which ends next summer which means the the pacers can keep him and then watch him walk out the door or they can move him now. And it seems like that's what he's rooting for. And that's the action that he's trying to force on their part. And so naturally that brought up the question, if his ultimate goal is to make it to LA next summer to play for the Lakers, who are the teams out there that are crazy enough to, to say, Hey, we'll give up assets for 82 games of Paul George, because we think that if he comes here, um, we, we can show him our culture. We can show him, you know, we can win basketball games. He'll have a lot of fun. He'll get to know our guys. He'll, he'll see what we're all about. And maybe, just maybe, we'll have a shot at keeping, you know, an, an all-star, sometimes all-NBA. Didn't make all-NBA this year. But, you know, we're talking about a, a top 15, top 20 guy in the NBA. Um, you know, that's, that's worthy of rolling the dice. And there will be teams who will roll the dice and who will... Um, who will try to get that done for a year and, and show them what they've got. And Cleveland, you know, we're talking about Cleveland right now because they're a team that was rumored to have that kind of interest. Houston um, is is rumored to have that kind of interest per Zach Lowe. Um, so let's get right into it. Do, do, are the Jazz one of those teams who, who think that 365 days with the employee of Paul George is enough to show him stuff? And, and should they be? Well, that puts the question a little differently than I was putting it because I was going to say it has to be a team that there probably are some teams out there who wouldn't mind just the rental as long as they're not giving up too much. Um, I think Cleveland fits into that category, even if they knew 100 percent. I think Cleveland would have a bigger chance than most of retaining him next year if they came in and had a success story together. Um, So to me, it has to be a team where there's a deal that works, where you're not giving up too much to get the player and the teams that you're giving, or the players you're giving up, or the assets you're giving up, are not so key to your future that you're really damaging yourself going forward, and that you you feel like you're going to get enough out of Paul George even if he's only there for a year. So when I look at it that way, I think that the Jazz are kind of a borderline team that he could make sense for them. I really wouldn't put much stock into the idea that the jazz would get him and he come to salt lake i almost said come here but i'm not in salt lake that he would go to salt lake and he would love it and he would stay i i don't put a lot of faith in that but could it still be worth it for a year for the jazz yes if they didn't give up too much and we'll talk a little more about what we what we each mean by that i don't think we even know what each other means for sure (laughs) yet but and there are other teams, like I said, like you mentioned, Houston, like uh, Cleveland. There are teams where that might be enough to say, hey, yeah, we'll take him for a year and get, you know, and send him off to the Lakers. There are also other teams, 
for whom that wouldn't be an you know an option, and for and he wouldn't want to probably go to those teams anyway. Not that he has a choice if he gets traded, but you know Minnesota doesn't want to give up anything just to get Paul George's rental for a year, because they're not at a stage where he's going to make that big a difference and put them into you know maybe a conference finals or or a chance to even you know pie in the sky here a chance to even challenge in the conference finals which he might be good enough if you added him to a houston or added him to a utah where he could put him to that level um whether they're going to beat the warriors who knows but you know we're we're all penciling in the warriors a little bit but you know injuries happen drama happens who knows we we yeah we'll we'll see so that's the that's where I'm at. I think there there are some scenarios where it would work for the Jazz. I don't think it's a you know drop everything and that's your number one number one goal. Um, but it certainly would show Gordon Hayward that they were serious about bringing in some talent. But the risk is, does Gordon Hayward say, yeah, but he's only here for a year. So what what does that do? Let's go long term. Yeah, that's that's my thing with the it shows Gordon Hayward they're serious about adding adding talent because you know in in 365 days that and a quarter don't even get you a local phone call anymore. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, um, but, but I, I think you're, I think you're thinking about it the right way. If we're really thinking about Paul George as a rental, you know, Paul George for one year on the Cavs, I, I don't know that that necessarily makes them a title favorite, but it certainly boosts their odds. And I think that that's the move you make. If you have one of the greatest players of all time in his prime, you just, you're just trying to maximize your odds and give LeBron a chance to um, <clears throat> to win a title. And I think you know if you if you plop um, J- Paul George in the middle of the playoff series we just lived in the finals, it's certainly a different series. Whether or not it has a different outcome, but then but then to your point, how much difference does Paul George on the Rockets make to their title chances? How much difference does Paul George make to the Jazz and their title chances? And that's where I think it gets a little stickier in terms of if you're really just doing this purely for, as a 12-month experiment and you have no hope, no shot, no intention, no goal of saying, you know, really we're going to, we've got 12 months to brainwash this guy into, believe, into drinking the sauce and believing what we do here. And that's, I guess, my, my thing. I don't, I, I've seen a whole bunch of people talking as though Paul George has guaranteed that he's going to be a rental anywhere but LA. I've never actually seen the quote. As he said, the only thing I've seen is where he said that in 2018 he's leaning strongly to the Lakers. Am I have I missed something? Has he come right out and said don't don't trade for me unless you want a rental? There was a tweet earlier, maybe even a headline earlier, but when I read the article, it didn't seem like it said what the yeah. tweet or the headline said it said. So that, that's the thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think that there are franchises out there who right now are sitting around a conference a conference table, believing their chances. Whether that's misplaced belief or not, you know, we'll find out next year. Maybe maybe he's already got the yellow jersey waiting for him. Um, but I think there are teams that are in this not just because they like the idea of what he can do for 82 games, but because um, they think that their culture and their system and their talent and all those things would, would make a difference and make him rethink that Lakers decision. Yeah, well, and plus he can't have number 13 with the Lakers, and he can have it with the Jazz, so that ought to really you know wrap this decision up for him anyway. They haven't retired that for John Amici yet? What? Well, uh, Amici was 26. Um, 
Amishi was 13, was 13 first, wasn't he? Oh, was he something else first? I thought okay. he was 13 and then someone then else he wanted to lost, have 13. He, he must have lost it to maybe Mark Jackson, wasn't he 13? Mark Jackson was 13. Memo was okay. 13 later. You know how I know Amici was 26? I have Amici's game-worn 26 in my closet about five feet from where I'm sitting. So Ken has the best collection of, you know, occasionally the Jazz do these sales of game-worn merchandise. And uh, and it just so happens that every time Ken goes, what they have available in his... Because the point is you're trying to kind of hit for the cycle, right? You're trying to get every jersey from all the different eras. Right. So every time you go, you, you get what's available in whatever era or jersey iteration you need. And most often it's some big it's stiff. stiff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So give us a sampling. Let's just let's just take a tour through Ken's jersey closet. All right. I've, well, I've only got six of the real, actual game worn jerseys. I'm I'm way behind on my quest, but uh, I have the first six. Um, the the my green my my original green uniform is an outlier. The only way I, I don't have a game worn, I had to buy the Mitchell and Ness Adrian Dantley. So he's an outlier. He's an actual basketball player. Um, <laughs> But then I have a, my white jersey from the original, you know, note logo from the 80s was uh, is Rich Kelly. My purple is Kent Benson. And, you know, he could play, but I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's no star. And then when you get into the next set of uniforms, I have the trifecta. So this is the, uh, the mountain logo, white, purple, and then the black, the black, uh, the black and copper. But, but they didn't have the. That didn't have the mountain on it, but it was part of that set. Yeah. I have the trifecta of an Olden Polynese Zero, a Greg Ostertag 39, because he had given up the Zero Zero when Polynese came. Yeah. And the John Amici, I already mentioned, 26. <clears throat> that's, my, that's my collection. That's a, that's a special rotation. Stiffs, yeah, five big stiffs and Adrian Dantley, Mitchell and Ness jersey. So if anyone needs a good Christmas present idea for Ken, a purple... Ben Poquette would be right up your alley. Oh, no, no not a purple. I have <coughs> I have purple from that era. I would oh. need a green. Yeah, I need green because that's – or go with the more recent stuff I'm behind on, like anything Curtis Borchard wore when he was with the Jazz. Um, someone Alexander, like that. Alexander Radojevic. Yeah, right, right. <clears throat> he plays hard. He does. Um, anyway. <laughs> that was quite the cul-de-sac. Um, yeah. Anyhow, all right. So let's so let's get back to Paul George. Uh, wh- what do you think? Um, knowing that knowing that Houston will be in, in hot pursuit, knowing that <clears throat> knowing that Cleveland, I don't know, unless they're putting together their assets for Carmelo Anthony, which we can discuss later. The kind of crazy that that is. Um, and, and by the way, knowing that the Lakers uh, are are going to be in this, and people might say that. Oh, the the Lakers have no reason to give up assets when they could just wait twelve months and get him. But I'm not I'm not sure that that's true because on top of the fact that just you know a year is a long time for a player to change his mind or for a play you know just things change in a year's time. But on top of that, the Lakers aren't you know guaranteed to have cap space next summer. Um, <clears throat> now they probably will because most of their most of what looks to be eating up their cap for next summer right now is, you know, cap holds for players that they might not view as part of the future core or, um, you know, restricted free agent rights for guys that they may just 
let go off into the free agency fields and frolic with other teams and whatever. But the point is, they're not they're not guaranteed. Frolicking exactly. <clears throat> I don't know. Well, since we're doing Star Wars references, in fact, this is even a an Anakin reference. You know, so this will be two Darth Vader references in a row. He could they could go frolic in the fields like Anakin and Padme in Episode Two. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. You you cited one of the best movies of all time, and I cited one of the worst movies of all time. Um, or certainly of that franchise. Uh, so anyway, point being, the the Lakers may decide that, you know, hey, if as long as we don't have to give up anything that we really... I, I think it comes down to Ingram. I think if they don't have to give up Ingram and if they don't have to give up this year's number two pick, I think just about anything else, they they might consider just getting him now, locking him up, ending the suspense, and then they go into next summer with his bird rights, and then they can keep him no matter what. So... Knowing that, th- that that's the competition, I'm just curious to know um, what you think is the is the asset package that Dennis Lindsay calls with. Because we know he's calling. Whether or not the deal happens, we know that Dennis will do his due diligence and he'll put a call in and he'll say, hey, Kevin Pritchard of Indiana, is this enough? And we'll talk about whether or not it's enough, but what are the tradable assets that Dennis would put together to, to try to get Paul George here for a year? Well, within the constraints that Indiana has reportedly set out, which are a starter and two picks, two first rounders. But it's worth noting that the same rumor said they're having a hard time getting those offers, right? Well, yeah, yeah. <coughs> right. So, I mean, the Jazz can go a little, go in a little lower than that, or maybe that means the Jazz are in play with their with their later first round picks that you might not expect they would be because because if they're not getting a, you know, whatever, a 10 and a 15, uh and a starter then then maybe a starter and a and a 24 and a 30 or a 24 and a and a second half of the first round next year look okay um by comparison but yeah go just i'm looking at it with what they're asking for and of course yeah if you're dennis Lindsay, you don't go in with what they're asking for or more you start lower and then you see where you can land in the middle if you're interested at all but if you call so i mean when i look at the starters you got you got three guys well, probably two guys who you who you might be willing to trade, and that's got to start with Derek Favors and and Rodney Hood. Um, go ahead, you've got a you've got a rebuttal. Uh, no, not a rebuttal. I okay. just Hood is obviously a starter by definition, and you, you know, like if he were a restricted free agent today, um, he would qualify for the starter criteria QO. But it's also worth mentioning that he did not retain that starter spot into the playoffs. So, you know, right. kind of he's kind of a fringy starter, I would say, or at least you know, he's he's not a he's not an all-the-time starter. Derek Favors certainly a starter. So, I think if I think if the cost is, you know, Hood and Hood or Favors plus picks, I, I, is that your point? I'll let you go ahead. Well, and then the third guy I was going to throw in there, and I think he's more of a would be more of a substitute for a pick versus a starter on his own right would be Dante Exum. So, and I'm not saying trade all three guys. I'm just saying these are that that's the three guys I look at who you probably use as will give you favors or hood as a starter or favors as a starter and and one pick and Exum as kind of the second pick because he's such a young player, something like that. And then as far as the picks go, you know, you got the 24 or the 30 this year, and maybe you maybe you spring the the OKC pick for next year, because um, it might not be next year. I expect it probably will, because I expect they'll make the playoffs most likely. Uh, they did this year. They they weren't 
that close to the line. So, I mean, I think they probably are going to make it next year. The Jazz will have that pick somewhere in the 15 to 20 range. Um, but th- those are probably the types of assets you're looking at. The guys who probably aren't going to move the needle for for uh, <clears throat> Indiana, Alec Burks, Trey Lyles, Boris Diaw, uh, Neto, Ballenboy. Of course, Rudy Gobert is untouchable. You wouldn't, you're not trading him for 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 certainly for a rental and probably not for much of anything. I mean, it would take quite a deal to even think of trading him at this stage in his career, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, those those are the three guys I think that are in play. Those are the guys who I think are good enough slash still have enough potential to get Indiana's interest. Yeah. Nobody's calling up with Hal Neto's name and saying, and, and making them go, ooh, yeah, let's take a look at that deal. I mean, that's, you know. Yeah, that's the thing. Since the, since the Jazz can't trade any pending free agents, um, and since Rudy Gobert is you know untouchable, then by process of elimination, that pretty much leaves you with with favors and hood. I, I do agree that XM could come into the conversation. I don't though think that it would be as proxy for a pick. And the reason why is you know he is young, but the reason I think why Andy, why Indiana would want picks is the opportunity to to get someone who you have locked in for a few years and you can kick the tires on a lower salary and then have team control. Whereas Exum, even though, even though he's, you know, very early in his career in terms of games, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's played like, what has he cracked 160 yet in terms of career games? I don't, I don't think he's quite there. You know, he's one season away from his big payday, whether that comes as a restricted free agent, um, or you know whoever owns his rights this fall can extend him by Halloween, but I, I'm just not sure that that I'm not sure that that's what they're after when they're saying two picks. Um, I could be wrong. I mean, you're you're right. He's still a young prospect. He's a 21 year old. For all of those reasons, that he might be the the type of guy they're after. So yeah, I I do think I do think Exum could be part of the discussion. I'm just not sure that he'd be subbing in. You know, for the draft pick, I think maybe he and Hood, who's somewhat fringy as a starter, might be subbing in for, say, Derek Favors or or might be the spiritual equivalent of the starter that other teams are offering. I think I think it's maybe more along those lines than that they view him as they view him the same way that they would view necessarily a draft pick. Yeah, that's a good point. I probably err a little bit in making him a proxy for a draft pick because of what you just said. But I will mention one other reason I picked those three guys is, A, they have a little more value than the other three I mentioned or the other four or five. They also, all three, are free agents in 12 months, which means that the Jazz are going to have to kind of pick and choose which of those guys they want to bring back. They're not going to end up with all of them when it comes to next off season because depending on what happens, of course, with Hayward and Hill and these other guys, but they're likely not going to have the flexibility to keep Hood, Exum, and Favors in a year. So if you know, my, now might be the time to send them off to greener pastures or yellower pastures, if that means Indiana. <laughs> well, yeah, and for the same reason, I wonder if Indiana. I I, I wonder actually around the league um, what the stock is right now of Trey Lyles. Now Indiana, you know, you know, he's he's from Indiana, or at least he grew up and played high school ball in Indiana. Um, and just because he does have a couple of years left at the at the rookie scale figures before that payday, I wonder if they might be interested in him. But then obviously the other side of that coin with Trey Lyles is that he has just not been good at basketball recently. Um, you know, he was he was pretty unplayable 
for the latter half of this uh, this most recent season. So um, for them to want Trey Lyles, it, it has to be a question of really just believing in his potential as opposed to believing in his body of work so far. But that's another name I would throw into not just this discussion, but as the Jazz are making trade calls, I, I do think Trey Lyles is someone who, as a recent late lottery pick, probably still has some believers out around the league. Yeah, and and in fairness, there could be somebody out there who thinks that Alec Burks has a bounce back in him, and there might be somebody out there who just wants the cap space that Boris could provide with with the guarantee with the, with a non guaranteed uh, season coming up. So there are reasons that the other guys could be included, but I was just trying to look for specifically what Indiana said they wanted starters draft picks although like you mentioned sounded like they weren't necessarily finding that in the offers at least as of yet as they as they uh, started the process for a day Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know um so so real quick before we before we jump to Jimmy Butler and we talk about you know (laughs) <laughs> probably the same set of assets as it relates to Jimmy Butler. Just give me your give me your final verdict in 30 seconds. Like, what's the do, do you think it's good basketball decision making, or do you think it's um, malpractice of the first order to give away those kinds of assets for what could be one year of Paul George? I think it's okay uh, to give up one or two of those players. And a reasonable, oh, well, the Jazz don't have any picks that are like super high value at this point, even in their whole arsenal going forward, because the only picks they own that aren't their own in the future are is the OKC pick, and that's lottery protected anyway. So if the Jazz give up a total of three assets, one to two players, and one to two draft picks, I'm okay with that. And the reason is, the last thing I said, the Jazz aren't hanging on to all those players in a year anyway. So if they can turn those into something now, even if it is only a one-year rental and it gets them somewhere, and then that 10% chance or 20% chance that the guy loves it in Salt Lake, or or the Lakers fall apart, or the Lakers get something better, who knows? You, you know, you never know what'll happen in a year. That's not my biggest hope. That's not my reason for doing it. But I I think it would be a, a fairly wise use of those assets if you could get Paul George out of those guys because I think one or two of them won't be here next year. I'd be okay with that. Okay. Right. Just by nature of what team building in the NBA requires. And especially for a team that's at this, at this position in the rebuilding process as the jazz are, some of these assets are going to turn to dust anyway. Right. So, um, so I'm with you and, and Hey, you never know. Paul George is, is said to have a, um, not insignificant basketball man crush on Gordon Hayward and really wants to play with Gordon Hayward. And, um, you know, Hayward certainly isn't locked up for the coming season e- either, um, but that could potentially help with Hayward and and maybe a, a year of those two lightening each other's loads on both ends, by the way, because both of them are, you know, really good offensive talents. And then both of them are also plus defenders on the wing as well. So, um, so I, I think that's a fair verdict. Um, let's talk about Butler. I, so it sounds as though the Bulls are making Butler available, but I assume that they, that they would be looking for different things than Indiana would be looking for with Paul George just because they have more team control over Jim, Jimmy Butler left. Jimmy isn't disgruntled and kind of 
surly and looking for a way out. So I don't know. Is it is it the same set of assets for Jimmy Butler, or or is it that same group of assets, but maybe more of them that gets that deal done? No, I think it's going to take bigger assets to get Jimmy Butler. Uh, I, in general, I think Paul George and Jimmy Butler are probably in that same category. They both really ought to be worth a lottery pick or maybe even more than one lottery pick or a lottery pick and a, and a rotation player. But Paul George threw the bomb last over the weekend and they're now in scramble mode, much like the jazz were within his canter a couple of years ago. They're going to take what they can get and do it quickly to move on. That's why Paul George might be available for one of these lower packages. And I do think that a starter and two draft, two first round draft picks is a lower package than what Paul George is worth. I also think it's lower than what Jimmy Butler is worth. So I just don't see the Jazz putting together a package like that because I don't think they have those assets right now. Unless Chicago just really happens to have a big crush on a Derek Favors, a Dante Exum, a Rodney Hood, or some of these other guys, a Lyles or whoever. I I just don't think the Jazz have the assets to get a Butler um, is my guess. Yeah, I I sort of agree with you. And actually, I think that the more interesting angle with the Butler rumor and even even with the Paul George rumor, to be honest with you, a little bit, um, is the idea that, um, especially when Cleveland was hot on the pursuit of those two guys, the idea that central to Cleveland's offer would be Kevin Love and that Kevin Love reportedly doesn't interest Indiana or Chicago. So then does Utah maybe get involved as a third team where they supply some of the assets that are interesting to Butler and George's current teams and then instead they come away with Kevin Love? And, and that's interesting to me just because you know, Kevin Love, I, I know that his I know that the broad public perception of him has changed a little bit and, and now that he's on a title contending team, I think his flaws are under the microscope a little bit more. But let's not forget that this guy was all NBA until he knowingly made a sacrifice you know, he he goes to Cleveland and decides to sacrifice possessions and touches and all those things. And and the crazy thing is, even there, he's still a seventeen and eleven guy with you know, 36% shooting from three. Um, so so I, th- I think that would be a great outcome for the Jazz as well. I think that's way more realistic than, um, than the Jimmy Butler deal even um, or the Paul George deal, um, although probably not anymore now that nobody knows what Cleveland is up to and they may be they may or may not be using Kevin Love in the coming days to, to go get Carmelo. So that, that's true. So if they could get, if Chicago could get the assets from the Jazz and an asset from Cleveland, maybe that's enough to make it more attractive. But I think the Jazz just going straight to Chicago and getting coming back with Butler, that to me that doesn't add up. Right. So so maybe the package for uh for Chicago, it, it, you know, in Cleveland's case it's not picks because I don't think they can trade a pick until two thousand twenty one. But so maybe the package would be like a couple of jazz picks, Derek Favors, Rodney Hood, Dante Exum, and they also get Chetty Osman from Cleveland um, who's a Turkish sharpshooter that they own the draft rights to, who is by all accounts pretty good. Um, you know, maybe that's maybe that's kind of the package that would that would get it done. But again, nobody knows if um, if Cleveland's interested in that sort of thing. Um, which all of this, I guess, yeah. begs... and we don't know exactly what Chicago is looking for. So right. they haven't really come out like Indiana did and said this is the price tag. Yeah. Although even that, you know, I, I was joking with someone today about how. You know, that rumor came out and all of a sudden everybody thinks that the NBA trade market is like a 7-Eleven where you just walk in and you say, you know, here's my starter. Here are my two draft picks. I'd like that pack of gum now. And the reality is that there are 28 other teams 
So you, you don't just you don't just have to show up with the price as requested because guess what? Houston no. may also show up with, you know, Eric Gordon, Clint Capella and a couple of first round picks and and then, you know, maybe what you maybe what you have is of more interest to Indy, maybe it's not, but uh, but yeah, you're right that that it's even more nebulous in Chicago's terms because we don't know exactly what they're trying to accomplish with a Butler deal other than obviously, you know, move on and start building towards a different kind of future with a different kind of core. Right. No, you, you're 100 percent right. The trade market's more like the you, you, you work about two miles, three miles from Wall Street. It's more like the stock market. There's a bid and an ask, but it's it's not price tags and walk up to the checkout. Yeah. Stand. So, and I don't bring that up to correct you so much because I know, you know, I've just seen so yeah. many jazz fans say, oh, well, now that we know that all it takes is a starter and two draft picks, the jazz would be dumb not to do this deal. And it's like now because that's that's not how I, you know what I mean? Now it's like. Well, now if it doesn't happen, then we know that the Jazz weren't willing to give up favors in 24 and 30. And I would just say maybe favors in 24 and 30 isn't exactly what Indiana's after. 24 and 30 are pretty bad draft picks as draft picks go in terms of expected value. Yeah. So, um, yeah. This all leads me to, I guess, the, the question we'll get out of here with, which is, um, so we've talked about kind of that set of assets. I mean, that's that's what we've been talking about, some combination of, Derek Favors and Rodney Hood as starters and Dante Exum as a tantalizing young talent and and maybe teams are interested in Lyles and then Boris Diaw offers some cap flexibility and Alec Burks is cheap and does some off the bench scoring and then there's some draft picks like that's those are the, that's the asset covered for Den- Dennis Lindsay so if it's not enough for Paul George and it's not enough for Jimmy Butler and it might not even be enough to get involved in a three-team deal that lines the Jazz, someone like Kevin Love. What, what do you think that package could yield this uh, this offseason in the best-case scenario? Because we're even talking about, at least in our potentially biased minds, that there's a chance that those assets could get you into these discussions. This It's not like the sky's the limit, but you got to think, if even if we're off a little bit, the Jazz ought to be able to get close, but then you got to find a team that that has somebody like that available. So maybe it's not a Paul George or a Jimmy Butler or even a Kevin Love. Maybe it's somebody one tier down from that who happens to be available. But again, it's it's difficult because there's the different fit with every team. What's the team looking for to give away the guy who's at that level minus one? Who knows? Um, I'm so I, I would never throw out a name because I think unless I knew somebody was available and no one comes to mind right now. So I don't know. Any, any thoughts from you? Well, I'll, I'll be semi bold only because I, I floated this name to Ben Dowsett earlier today. So um, I guess either way I'm on the record and it's not because I think that this is realistic. I just think that this is exactly what you're talking about. He's a guy who is a tear down from those guys. Um, I, I think, um, you know, we'll have to see what, what the new management structure in Milwaukee thinks of their assets and, and which guys they're higher on or lower on. But I think if that same type of package um, could get you in the conversation for Chris Middleton, that'd be pretty exciting for the jazz. I think, I think Middleton is underrated and I think he's, you know, a top 10 shooting guard, really good defensively, a really good spot shooter. He doesn't have the creation ability that Rodney Hood has, so, I, but I think that's the one area. I think in just about every other component of the game, Rodney Hood is like a Chris Middleton light, um, and 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 because of that, obviously the Bucks may not be interested in this deal, right? Like they may, 
they may want to hang on to actual Chris Middleton instead of settling for Chris Middleton light. But I think what that package gives them is something that is, you know, a passable replica of Chris Middleton. And at the same time, they could solve a glaring big man need um, by adding Derek favors. They just really don't have a lot of bigs and they've, and they're swimming in wings. I mean, they've got so many wings and, you know, with Jabari Parker coming back from injury, they could instead slot Jabari at a wing position, which is probably more natural for him anyway than than playing the four where he's been out of position and, you know, had mixed results. So I think that's the type of deal to look at. You know, I've had conversations with people, both Ben and like Aaron Hefner, and I have this conversation a lot, you know, both privately and out on Twitter, where we talk about would that package get you in the conversation for Bradley Beal? Probably not. But again, you just have to wait and see if a team decides to blow it up and try something new. Would that conversation get you in the convert? Would that package rather get you in the conversation for Evan Fournier? Yeah, it probably would. In fact, that's probably too much to give up for Evan Fournier. So then what's the sweet spot for for an Orlando deal that involves Evan Fournier? Same kind of, you know, he's a big wing. He's six seven with some point guard skills and some shooting ability, and he's good friends with Rudy Gobert. So I, I think that's kind of the the list. And obviously, there's varying levels of excitement in my voice about those players. But I think, um, I think adding, I think putting Chris Middleton next to Gordon Hayward is about as perfect a fit as you can find on the wing. It just is a matter of, um, I, I don't think he will be available. And the caveat is. Nobody knows what's available in Milwaukee because they're under new management as of like five minutes ago. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, So my question back to you before we sign off, let's pretend none of these big deals happen between now and Thursday night. Jazz are picking 24 and 30. What, what do you expect from 24 and 30? And do you think the Jazz keep both of those picks? What do you think you're looking for on Thursday night? At this point, I would bet, like something ridiculous that they will not use both decks. <laughs> like I'm not going to do one of those. I'll shave my head type of bets because you know, that ends with like me looking really <laughs> dorky. Um, I know what I look like with a shaved head and nobody wants to see that. Um, no, I I'm, do you I'm, know what you look like after going down the title force at Hershey park without a shirt on? Oh, so you're saying that that video would be made public? You're in that video as well, by the way. <laughs> no, so. no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not. I just thought I, I was thinking of something else where we looked silly. But, oh, okay. Right. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't think they'll use. I don't think they'll use both picks. In fact, if you if you listen to people, um, who you know, some of the source local people are, that are around the jazz a lot. Um, you know, David Locke has been talking a lot about this. The beat writers, including. Our own Andy B. Our own uh, Andy B. Larson, Andy Blarson, as I like to call him. Um, Andy Blarson. Yeah, uh-huh. Blarson and others have been talking a lot about the Jazz's potential desire to lock up the point guard position by July first. And if that's the goal, draft night is probably the best night to do it, and it probably involves at least a pick. So, um, you know, we'll see what that deal looks like. Obviously, that would mean that they're by definition moving on from George Hill. And, you know, there's a pretty finite list of who those point guards could be that they're after. Um, my favorite off that list is Rubio, but that's mostly just because I'm I'm not a big Bledsoe guy and we could talk about why. But, you know, we're, we've been talking for a long time and that's probably another podcast. 
Yeah, just before. Yeah, now let's let's throw this podcast out and start over on the point guard question. Just kidding. No, I saw, <laughs> I saw just before we started, uh, Tony Jones was talking at great length with uh, maybe just one person on Twitter about Drew Holiday. So another another point guard name that's out there uh, potentially in the market, but not someone that they can that they can acquire before July first. So Drew Holiday is a pending that's free true. agent. Yeah. Um, now I right. I heard. Um, I heard Kevin Arnovitz today say that he gets the inkling that Drew Holiday wants out of New Orleans. Um, I've also heard um, from, you know, corners out there that Drew Holiday had some fans in the Jazz uh, organization. There's some, you know, Quinn Snyder coached him in Philadelphia. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I think that there's something to the Drew Holiday thing, except that if the Jazz's stated goal is to, Drive to Gordon Hayward's house at midnight on July first, knowing who their free who their point guard of the future is. Then, by definition, that rules out Drew. That rules out George Hill. You're really talking about, you know, Goran Dragic if he's available, Eric Bledsoe if he's available. Well, Eric Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe is probably available. Um, you're talking about Rubio, who appears to be available for the right price. Um, you know. Obviously, there are a bunch of yeah. there's Kemba Walker, there's John Wall. I doubt those guys are are probably getting pried loose, um, you know, barring an, an amazing offer. But that might be what that might be what happens this week is a deal for a point guard, um, unless the Jazz just feel like they can, like they can say to Gordon, "Hey, you know, trust us. We think we can get the George Hill thing done. We we got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right." Well, that's as good a place as any, I guess, to leave it. Although, um, from the sounds of it, there's plenty more to talk about, you know, the point guard situation, the Jazz's draft night goals, and much more. So we'll be uh, talking about that on Podcast Future. We'll also be um, obviously covering that as a Salt City Hoops team. So make sure you're staying tuned to saltcityhoops.com. Thanks for listening.